Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Good, good, good. How many of you have something to celebrate? Like Jesus? Or like a newborn baby? Hey, that's me. (laughs) Well, let's worship. Feel free to stand to your feet. We're going to enter into his presence. Joy. 
their songs employ while fields and floods rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy must enjoy chorus, just your voices. And joy, unspeakable joy, an overflowing well, no tongue can tell. Joy, unspeakable joy, it rises in my soul. It never lets me go. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. Yes, come on. It's all about Jesus this morning. Lord, we adore you. Let's just stay in an attitude of worship. I know that uh, we have a lot of viewers online. Thank you so much for being with us. I just encourage you to press in to what the Lord is doing in the middle of this season. In, the, in this moment, really, um, I don't, you're probably like me because there's a lot of distractions in your life. You've got a lot going on the end of the year, business, work, family, the list goes on, of course. Children, a big one for a lot of us. But I'm just so thankful for the presence of the Lord being with us. So I just thank you, Lord, and pray and ask that you would just be the peace in the middle of this season. As you are the Prince of Peace, would you just come on in? Come on, let's just invite the Prince of Peace in this morning. To our homes, to our families, to our workplaces. We adore you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. And joy has come into our hearts because you came, you took our place. You laid down our, your life for our sake. The chastisement of our peace was upon you, Lord. We draw our strength from you in this season and every season that God, you would be the God of the breakthrough, that you'd be the God of, the, of miracles, that you'd be, we need you to be the God of who we read in the Bible. We need you to, to, to show up again in way, ways that only you can come, Lord. God, for our families, God, for those who, who we have, for those who, who don't have.
abundance. There's abundance available to each and every person who would call on the name of Jesus. And so we do that this morning for the sake of life springing forth. Not because of any other reason, but because of who you are. God, you are the God of abundance. You are the God of the mountain and the God of the valley. You never change. You're always the same. We thank you for that. Aren't you glad this morning that he never changes, that he's always the same? Well, we've got a a special uh, service for you this morning because we're actually going to uh, transition to uh, our our message. And again, thank you so much for for each and every single person who has taken some time out of their their busy morning and week to be with us. You guys can go ahead and have a seat for... uh, quite a few minutes because, like I said, we're going to transition into our service now. And so uh, this service is going to look a little bit different, but I just encourage you guys to lean in and, and hang out and have some fun with us because there is a lot going on here at Trinity. How many of you guys were able to um, see what was going on last night for the uh, outreach that took place? What, what? Uh, we were able to give away 40 tents by the goodness of God, and so uh, those tents went exclusively. They had uh, low-income people there, and they had uh, VIPs, which were people who were actually living on the on the streets, and so they know um, pretty much every single one of those individuals, and we were able to, I don't I don't think we have any pictures for you right now, but um, they're, they are on our church chat, and if you want to uh, get more information on any of that, uh, just let us know. But uh, anyway, so every single person that was in need of a tent got one last night. I don't know if they were all given away because I had to leave before the end of it because the rain pushed everything back. But anyways, all that said, thank you so much for each and every single person who gave. Can you just make some noise for, the, for God's generosity being made available? Come on. I thank God for each and every single uh, giver, no matter what you gave, uh, it makes a difference because uh, that's how the body works. Our, all, of our, all of our parts work together and we make up a body. So thank you so much for your partnership, your faith, your prayer. Um, we want to continue to uh, be, a, be a part of the Night Strike, which is the uh, church for the homeless uh, that takes place the first Friday of every month. So just stay tuned for that. If you want to get in, more involved with that, make sure you talk to the Harveys um, or just let us know. We can make sure we get you plugged in the right place. So that way you can pray, you can give, you can show up and serve, um, whatever, whatever you can do. We, we need uh, every person's faith. Um, and if you do know of a need, especially in this season, we would love to meet those who are in need, no matter what that need is. Um, we can at least try to get them connected, and if nothing else, um, actually, you know, do, do the whole whole thing from start to finish. Um, I do want to make sure that you guys know that that next Sunday, we're not going to be here in the building um, because we're going to have a Sabbath Sunday, which means that uh, we're giving all of our our staff and our leaders, our volunteers, uh, a rest, a day of rest. Take a big, big, uh, deep breath. Ah. Rest is good. Rest is so important. It's biblical that you rest. And so um, I do want to encourage you guys to rest at home with us because we will be doing a service online. Um, But if you come in person, the doors will be locked. So um, make sure you let everybody know. We're going to be sharing that information on uh, Facebook this week. That's our major platform where we get all of our information out. Um, And then we do have a New Year's Eve party. How many of you guys like celebration? Come on, we're here celebrating the birth of Jesus today and, of course, all year, but 
Christmas time. Um, so new year, new me, new things, all the, all the new. I love new, and so New Year's Eve party um, is just a time for you to be able to get together, get to know one another, and celebrate the turn of the year. Um, so if you do want more information on that, make sure that you get connected with us and we'll tell you where to go and what's happening and what you need to bring, if anything, because uh, we haven't worked out all the details. Um, and that being said, I do want to um, announce Caitlin uh, because she has a very important announcement to you concerning uh, meeting needs. So while she makes her way to the stage, uh, each of you should have gotten a crazy faith um postcard, we'll say. Um, did anybody not get a postcard that, that looks like this that says Crazy Faith on it? If, did you, if you didn't get one, raise your hand up real high and we'll get you one. And if you're online, you should be going right now to trinitybmt.com slash crazyfaith. And this is where you can do this online. So if you don't have cash or uh, carry a checkbook like me, then this is what you'll need to do. Um, and they should be able to do this on the app as well. Is that right? Okay, all right. So you're going to give to the general fund, but we do want to make sure that for each and every single person who is um, giving, are your sunglasses? Oh, good. Okay, great. I'm missing those. Um, why don't you just kind of help fill them in the rest of the way? Yeah, sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an end of the year giving. Who likes to give? God says to be a joyful giver, a cheerful giver, and a generous giver. And that's one of our core values here at Trinity. And so this year we had, um, well, sometime last year, me and Andrew decided, hey, we need to give from all the things that were coming in, right, here at church. And I never had thought about that before, like as a church. We, I mean, we, we supported missionaries. We did other things. But to give a sort of tithe, um, from everything that came in. So we decided, hey, why don't we just go ahead and uh, make it the 10% <laughs> and we can, we're going to give 10%. So that number after this year is over, um, by the end of the year or by January, sometimes I'm a month behind, sorry guys, but <laughs> by January, we will have given almost $25,000 to different organizations uh, in local and mission. So we've given a lot to um, our missionaries in Budapest. They're starting churches in Europe. Um, we've given a lot to um, Jessica Tate's ministry, Yielded Ministries in, uh, is it Venezuela? <laughs> I was like, I always forget. Brazil. She lives in Brazil, but I think it's in Venezuela. Anyway, um, We've given to Harvest House here in uh, in Beaumont. They help with um, helping girls get out, and girls and guys sometimes get out of sex trafficking. Uh, there, there's advocacy there. Um, we have given to. Uh, there's lots. I'm trying to remember all of them right now. Uh, we give to the Hope Clinic. Um, I just want to let you know where your, some of your money is going because it's important for you to know because then you can feel a part. <laughs> and so whenever you give, not only does it pay for the building that houses revival or houses the body of Christ, our family, it houses our uh, get-togethers and our church services and your children <laughs> and keeps the lights on, but it also goes, some of that goes to all of that. So you have a part in all of those 
uh, all of those lives that are being touched. Isn't that cool? Isn't it neat that how, how money can do that? You can have a part in things you could never do, either because you don't know how or you don't have the time or you know you're doing completely different work for the Lord, right? So you can partner. So if you continue to partner with us, we will continue to give. Um, so today we want to do a crazy faith. This is an end of the year giving. It's, it's going to go into our general fund, but we want to use it to meet needs as well. Um, so we want to know how much you're going to give and what you're believing God for, because we want to know how much we, um, how much you guys, how generous, generous you are, but we also want to believe God with you for whatever needs. Thanks, Daniel. You see me struggling with this Bible. <laughs> Uh, we, wanna, we want to believe with you for whatever needs you're believing God to be met, whether it's healing, whether it's financial, whatever it is, we want to believe with you. So if you uh, have got this card and you give, just put the amount that you give for that extra offering, put what you're believing God for and click, uh, click that, put that in the bucket. And then <laughs> if, you, if you'd rather or you're online watching um, you can go to trinitybmt.com slash crazyfaith, and there you can put, hey, here's my name, here's how much I gave, and this is what I'm believing God for as well. So there's a digital version. Also, whenever God meets those needs, because he will meet those needs, and he will do what he said he would do, his promises are yes and amen. They're already, they're already happened. We already talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, and we'll continue to talk about that. But whenever he does meet those needs, you can also go to this link, trinitybmt.com slash crazyfaith, and you can put your testimony there. And I want to see those testimonies come in. So don't forget, if God meets a need, if, he, if you see him work, we want to know what he's doing in your life and what he's done for you. Um, we're also taking our normal offering, so I'm just going to read a scripture. <laughs> Sorry, you just have to, you have to do it. And so, uh, this is one of my faves. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Uh, why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. That's Matthew six thirty three, And if you go to Philippians 3... 19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And if you back it up to uh, 4, 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Done is past tense, if you, uh, if you notice there. And so we're going to just believe God as we put these in the bucket, as we submit these online, we're going to believe God that he has provided everything for us, for life and godliness. And we're going to, and he, and he's already done it. It's past tense. And we're going to thank him that he's done it. It's done. And uh, it's a done deal. So that's, uh, that's our crazy faith. We're going to continue talking about crazy faith well into the new year. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited um, to learn more, to grow with you guys, and to, uh, to talk about that, and to see this come in. Uh, as I know this, we're just learning about it. Um, some of you might already know some about faith, but I know we're just learning about it, but this is, this is huge, you guys, because as you learn and grow, we're, we're stretching our faith now. 
But we're going to learn. We're going to grow. And uh, we're going to see God do some really, really crazy things. But it's only crazy till it happens, right? And then it's not crazy anymore because it happened. All right, let's pray over your offering. <laughs> he, he said, pray. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this day that you have made. Thank you for that we're coming to you as generous givers, um, trusting you that you will meet and provide all of our needs, that the crazy faith that we are putting out there, all we need is faith as a mustard seed, right? And so, Lord, we pray and agree together that all our needs are met, whether they're healing, financial, uh, whatever whatever it may be, Lord, that we agree and believe together that all the needs of this house and everyone who's giving today will be met in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said? All right. You agree. Amen. Would you wait on the people, ushers? I'm going to grab my notes here, guys. And we are now going to actually kind of start our service. Um, And I know you're sad because we didn't worship for our normal 20, 30 minutes plus. And I am too. But I have good news. How many of you guys like good news? The band's going to come back up in a minute. We're going to take some time to talk about the Christmas story and how it relates to crazy faith this morning. And as we go through the story, I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond to what you're hearing in worship. And so the band's going to be up here uh, in a few moments after I get done with the first portion of our story as we talk about Isaiah here um, and how he relates to uh, the Christmas story and and his crazy faith, Um, and they're going to uh, play us a song about Isaiah. How many of you guys uh, know what a prophet is by way of hands? It's not not something I would really expect most people to know. It's a pretty uh, foreign term, especially in the 21st century, but a prophet, uh, Isaiah was a prophet to Israel. And uh, the Israelites were God's children. And so how many of you guys know it's important as parents that we uh, relay information and communicate to our kids? Because uh, as children, we need that reassurance. We need direction, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so forth. So that being said, um, Israel, um, we see Israel as a type and shadow of, of God's children. And Isaiah was the messenger in order to relay uh, what God wanted to speak to his children. And so with that being said, uh, I want to now pray because we don't have to, we don't need a prophet anymore. We all get to have a individual and personal relationship with God. Aren't you glad? So Lord, we come to you on that basis that anybody who calls in the name of Jesus can be saved and can be welcomed into that personal relationship. Jesus, You alone are the one who is worthy of all of this. You are the reason for this season. And Lord, we don't want to miss what you want to do here in in these uh, next moments while we're we're, um, taking some time out of our busy schedule to to hear from you. So we give you permission. Holy Spirit, come on. Amen. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our heart, into our mind. cause interruption to take place from from our preconceived notions and ideas and and whatever religion might be in the way, we just bind it and take authority and just cast it out because we don't want anything else except for you and you alone. And everybody who agreed with that said, Jesus, amen, in the the name of Jesus. So I I love the message of uh, Isaiah because his message was all about redemption the plan of redemption for not just Israel, not just God's children, 
but also mankind. And I say that to say that um, not everybody was or had an opportunity to become God's children. We now do, but first when we're learning about this message, babe, it's on one, just the first single there. There you go. (laughs) Sorry, driving me crazy back there. The light's going up and down, up and down. I love you. We're running a little shorthanded this morning, folks, but that's okay. Stick with us. So the message of Isaiah is, is yes, absolutely God's plan of redemption for the world, but before there could be redemption for the world, there had to be redemption for Israel. And this is, this is just so significant in so many ways. So right here at the beginning, we see a couple of types of shadows. We see that um, there's a plan for redemption for Israel, so there could be a plan of redemption for the world. And in addition to this, we see that God's plan is for the world to become his family. For each and every single person, John 1, 4 says, they are given the right to become children of God by receiving Jesus as the only son of God. So people aren't children of God until there's, there's a, um, a response that is made. So you and I have a response when we come to Jesus, do we not? Well, how, how are we going to respond when, we, be, when we, we behold him? And so right here at the beginning of the Christmas story, when we talk about Isaiah and, and how his message to Israel is for redemption, we have hope in that because we can, we can now believe and grab a hold of something by faith, of course, that God's plan for you and I is for redemption, I don't know where you're at right now in this Christmas season at a time of loss, a time of lack, a time of hopelessness, or if you're in a time of abundance, if you're at a time where everything's uh, happy-go-lucky and you feel great. But no matter what, whether you have uh, today or tomorrow and it feels good or feels bad, Jesus is the hope of the world. And, And his plan for your life is for redemption and not just for your life, but to use you as a vessel for redemption for the world. See, each and every single one of us is an Isaiah, so to speak. We, we have an opportunity to, to have this crazy faith that God wants to use you and I to share the good news with the world. Because why? Good news has come to you and I. And this is really significant in the, in the story of, of Christmas because of the way that this Christmas story started. See, before, and, and I did say this already, but before there could be redemption for the world, there had to be redemption for Israel. But Israel wasn't, um, Israel is, is a type of miracle in and of itself because there was no, um, there was no children of God before there was Israel. And so God had to establish an old covenant. You'll remember that the, the Old Testament is, is also called the old covenant. The old covenant was a type and shadow for, for the new covenant. And this is, this is now relating to redemption, and I know that I'm kind of going all over the place, but um, this all sticks together. So just we'll just seek the Holy Spirit to, to tie everything together this morning. Um, and, and this is just so beautiful because God planned this over 2,000, actually now 4,000 years ago. See, the writing of Isaiah took place 700 plus years before Jesus actually was born. Isaiah heard from God. How many of you guys have ever heard something from God? But it took years to come to pass. Well, I, what Isaiah heard, and I'm, I know I didn't give you a chance to respond, but hello. 
Isaiah heard the word from the Lord, and of course, this is the prophet's job to hear from God and relay the information. 700 plus years, his writings take place anywhere from 740 to 680 BC before Jesus comes. Can you imagine hearing from God, speaking something, and going to your grave without it coming to pass? Here's the kind of paradox of of Isaiah's message. Because even though his announcement was that redemption was supposed to come to not just Israel, God's children, but then, of course, to the world, for all of the world to become God's children, if they believe, if we believe, how we respond. But before that could take place, judgment had to come. The the paradox within that is, is so strange to us because God is good. Why would God's announcement to Israel be judgment? Well, you have to go back several thousand years to, to Abraham because Abraham talks. Um, Abraham is the one that the covenant all started with, that, that God's plan of redemption all started with. Right? Remember how I said that there was no children of Israel um, before. Like they, they, there was no covenant without the children of Israel. And so God first had to establish a type of people that he could relate in order for us to understand how his master plan was supposed to work. And so when we see Israel, we, see, we should see you and I, because Israel is that type and shadow of being a child of God. And so when Isaiah says, hey, listen, redemption is coming, but first there's judgment, let's find out why. Why is there judgment coming to Israel? Why, why does God allow bad stuff to happen? Abraham, I'll I'll, I'll try to answer it with this. Galatians 3 says this, that the real children, uh, that, that, excuse me, that Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. Galatians 3, verse 6. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. Somebody help me out. Because of his faith. Verse 7 goes on to say this that the real children of Abraham then are those who put their, somebody help me out, their faith in God. And so faith is so key to this story that we recognize the parallel between being a child of Abraham and a child of faith. Faith is what bridges all of those gaps that that ties everything together. Because even though, yes, God does allow bad stuff to happen, his ultimate plan of redemption is that he would use that bad stuff to bring out his character, which is goodness. And so when we see the story of, of Israel, which is riddled with stories like yours and mine, we should have hope because God did not leave them forsaken or neglected. And I want to take you guys to um, Isaiah chapter 9 because this is, this kind of gives a, a broad overview of the past 1,300 years. This is before Isaiah's writings all the way back to Abraham when God established his covenant. And when we're introduced to this story, we find, we find out that, that the Israelites, like you and I, um, had a problem with behavior. Anybody else? Bad attitudes, um, forsaking their first love, doing things they shouldn't have done. And so verse one starts like this. It says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. 
aren't you glad? This is a word of the Lord to you. If you are in a time of darkness or despair right now, God's word says it will not go on forever. It says the land of Zebulun, Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time, come on somebody, in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, so this is for all my unbelievers, this is for all my people who are far away from Jesus, this is for every single person who would say that they, do, they are not actual children of Abraham, because pause on, on this for a second. Their claim to salvation for Israelites was that they could trace their lineage back to Abraham. And this is, this is why that statement that the real children of Abraham were not those who could trace their lineage back, but those who put their faith in God. And so when we, we see that, that uh, there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles will have hope, that's good news for me and you because none of us were counted unless, unless you're actually, you actually know whether you're, you have lineage to be a Jew. None of us have, have that opportunity. And you're like me, like really pasty. I, 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 I can't trace my lineage back more than a couple of generations. But there's no, I, don't, I don't think there's any possible way there's Jew in this body. I mean, I could be wrong, but now by faith, come on, I'm a, I'm a child. I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm a child. I'm, I, I have an opportunity to have salvation. It says, those people, even though they walk in darkness, they will see a great light. This is referencing Jesus. Remember, it says that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Now, speaking of, uh, of Jesus, it says, um, you, Jesus, will enlarge the nation of Israel. And again, this is uh, verse 2 of Isaiah 9, if you're not following along. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you, still referencing Jesus, as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you, Jesus, will break the yoke of their slavery. Now, this is key because the Israelites were going into a time of slavery, naturally speaking, and they thought when Jesus was going to come that he was going to break the oppressor's rod thinking about natural rulers. They wanted to be their own individuals. But this is actually referencing slavery to self and sin. Hallelujah. Thank God that it said that he would break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. Now referencing Satan himself, it says that you, Jesus, will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Of course, they were confused because when, when they read this prophecy about when Jesus would come, they're thinking that he was going to overturn the Roman Empire. It's easy to feel oppressed by the situations that we live in. It's easy to feel overcome and undone by what we go through and where we live and, and, and where we've come from. But how many of you guys know it's not about that? It's about where we're going. It's about the destiny on our life. And so it's up to you and I to believe in God's plan of redemption for, for you and I. It's up to you and I for us to put our trust and our faith and our hope in the Savior of mankind and not in anything else. It goes on to say that the boots of the warrior and the uniform of the bloodstain will be, uh, by war, will all be burned. And there will be a time of peace because there will be fuel for the fire because why? Somebody help me out. Verse six, a child is born to us. A son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. Somebody help me out now. Wonderful counselor. Everlasting Father, oh, excuse me, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Verse 7 goes on to say this, His government and its peace, come on now, will never end. 
He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Would you stand on your feet this morning? Because come on, it's not up to you and I to bring the word of the Lord to pass. It's up, it's up to you and I to believe. It's up to you and I to worship. It's up, it's up for you and I, it, it's up to you and I to let go and let God. This is the word of the Lord, your creator. I am the God who stood before the world was framed. I am the first, the last, and everything between. I hold your future, who could know these things but me? So don't fear, I will be your song. Yeah. 
message of Isaiah. The word of the Lord comes time and time again to prophesy that Israel, which is every single one of us as children of God, no more dry ground. Heaven's open over you. We don't have to despair any longer. We don't have to go through a dry season. Come on, he's, he's making ways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Come on, what can we make that declaration by faith this morning? That God is making a way. Come on. Heaven's open. He's making rivers in the desert. He's making ways in the wilderness. He's making rivers in the desert. Come on, for your family, for your home. Come on. Jesus. He's making rivers in the desert. He's making ways in the wilderness. He's making rivers in the desert. He's making ways in the wilderness. He's making rivers in the desert. this morning Draw for me I will provide come on in your own words Draw for me, call I upon the name provide. of Jesus for you Draw from him he will provide you know I really believe that God wants to do something really special in this Christmas season because even what's amazing about when you make Jesus when you make everything about Jesus is that he returns the favor infinitely fold back to you and shows you 
your true meaning and purpose. He shows you how much purpose you have on this earth. And I believe that as we look to him and as a savior of the world, as, as the, the hope of all mankind, that he will continue to reveal to you and I how you and I are tied to that same destiny. Come on, how many of you guys know that we are all made in God's image? But up until the point to where we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we're pretty hopeless. We're, we're messy with Him. But without Him, there's no hope. But this morning, I believe that as, as we press into this, and you can take your seat once again, that God is going to do the impossible and show you just how possible it is for you and I to be used in this great plan of redemption. See, it didn't stop with Isaiah. The, the, the hope of all mankind coming into the world was not just for him to come and go. It was for him to come and live with you and I forever in order that we could then also share the good news, joy to the world. But in order for that to happen, our story progresses. And I thank God for this word of the Lord that came to Israel that said, I'm going to redeem you. Do you have the crazy faith to believe that God, that God can and will use you? That he wants to redeem you and make you into a vessel of his glory. Forgetting those things that lie behind and pressing on to all that God has for us. John the Baptist comes at, in at a really interesting time in this story because it's been over 700 years since the writings of Isaiah, right? Like I was telling you, somewhere between 740 and 680 BC when these writings actually take place. And now at Jesus' birth, before Jesus' birth, Israel hasn't just gone from one invasion, but two, and now a third one with actually Rome being the, their, their uh, rulers. They've been invaded once again. And how many of you know that, that, can, that that's like our life sometimes? We feel like our life is invaded by, by worry. We feel like we, we are just sucked out. Our hope is just sucked out of us, especially when life gets really busy. But how many of you guys know that when it comes to announcing Jesus, we are announcing that hope is coming? And that's John's, that's John's message. If you're unfamiliar with, with John the Baptist and his story, the whole point of, of John the Baptist was that he would do like Isaiah said, chapter 40, verse 3, Isaiah declares that there would be a voice in the wilderness. Listen, it's the voice someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. But it was up to John the Baptist to believe that word. See, because before John the Baptist was ever a prophet in the wilderness, a messenger of the Lord, he was a, a person just like you and me, with doubts, with flaws, with failures, with unbelief, with a family that has problems, with, with a concern of how he's going to, uh, what he's, how he's going to get his next meal or, or, or what, he, what he's going to wear, um, you know, what people think about who he is and the fact that he was living in the wilderness. But even before this, John the Baptist didn't exist. And of course, we all know that that had to happen at some point or another. 
But it's interesting to me because as we, as we are introduced to the story of John the Baptist, his parents were very old, like Abraham. If you're unfamiliar with Abraham's story, the one who birthed the very nation of Israel, him and his wife were very old before they conceived a child named Isaac. And so again, we have a, another parallel here in the New Testament. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments. This is Luke chapter one, starting in verse six. But they didn't have any children, verse seven, because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And the Bible points out they were both very old. However, that doesn't stipulate the God of the impossible. One day, Zechariah was serving like any other day. And this, and this is a good message in and of itself. I don't, I don't want to get off on this, but somebody needs to hear this. God can do something in one day that you've been trying to accomplish in a lifetime. I want to say that one more time because I don't think it's, it's not about your timeline. It's not about your time frame. It's not about what you think should happen. It's been 700 years since the Messiah was supposed to come and, they, and things have gone from bad to worse. Come on. 2020, things have gone from frustrating to, ah, get me out of here. But God says, I'm not done yet. Come on. Aren't you glad? Zechariah one day was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of priests. And he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, in other words, while he was, you know, doing his duty, um, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, because any time something took place in the sanctuary, between God and man, it meant that there wasn't hope anymore. It meant that your time was done because there was no mediator to make us good enough to be in God's presence. And so when the angel came near, Zechariah was like, this is it. But the angel says, wait, wait, wait. I've got good news. Don't be afraid. Verse 13, God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John and you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord and he must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord. Does this sound like a familiar pass passage? He will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God, and he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah because he will do this. Then this is the key thing I want you guys to walk away with. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. A job that you and I still have the same responsibility for doing because Jesus is coming back, isn't he? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. How many of us are still need to take on the duty of, of this responsibility? How many of us need to own this and, and walk away this and recognize that even though Christmas time, the, the, the reason for Christmas, Jesus, yes, he already did come into the world. We need to recognize, perceive and understand and, and, and share this with the world that he's coming back. We still need to make a way for the coming of Jesus. But I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to feel like well, he was coming back. He's, he was supposed to come back already. So how really important is it? Anybody? It's like life is filled with so many things. Zechariah even, he says to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm old. In other words, 
We can always make up excuses as to why or why not we should do what, what God is showing us. Now poke your neighbor now. But this is what we need to hear. This is what we need to walk away with because he, he said, don't you know, I'm Gabriel. In other words, and he go, literally goes on to say this, I stand in God's presence. It was he who sent me here to bring you this good news. One of the funniest things about this is that we spend our lifetime wondering what our purpose is. And then when God shows us, we like, we are like questioning, like, but God, like, what about my job? You know, I don't want to get too far off, but I was on the way here listening to The Stand, a very old Hillsong song. But you know what it made me think of? It made me think of living with reckless abandon. The way that each and every single person comes into the kingdom because we forsake everything for the sake of the cross, the the cause of of Jesus. And I think this morning, the very best Christmas gift that you and I can, can do is to live with reckless abandon for our Savior because he gave it all. Remember how this story started with the crazy faith that, that God spoke a word and somebody acted on it, starting with Abraham all the way through the, the old covenant up until Isaiah and then, and then continuing on. And now up until this point, we read about John the Baptist who was prophesied to be that voice. And we read in John 1.26 that he says that he is the voice. He said, I am the voice of the one in the wilderness shouting, make way for the Lord. John 1.26. I don't think I gave that to you. I'm sorry, babe. But you have to recognize, think about this, guys. He was just like you and I, given the opportunity to doubt. Now, of course, his parents had to be the one that relayed this information to him. They said, this is what the word of the Lord has told you about your life. But it was up to him, just like it's up to you and I, to decide to, what to do with the information that had been given to him. Do you believe it? Do you have crazy faith? See, it's only crazy until it happens. But I, but I love it because here within John's story, we see that hope is, is the thing that fuels his faith. And if you're taking notes, the first point was that crazy faith starts with you. The second one is that the fuel that crazy faith requires is hope. See, with, with, without hope, we're going to give up. And, and I, I don't, I'm a little ashamed to admit, but I lose hope so much in, our, in my present circumstance. Anybody else? You just look around in the world and you just feel hopeless because you don't know how, where to start or what to do. Your friends, they come to you, they need help, and you're thinking, I, I, like, I'm doing everything that I possibly can not to fall apart myself. <laughs> Anybody? And now God's saying he wants to use you to be a redeemer and, and, and share the message of, of good news. And so what, what's so important about this is that we, we recognize where our hope comes from. Colossians 1.27 says this, that to the Gentiles, it was made known, Colossians, one twenty seven, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery 
among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're not the hope. I mean, I know that's kind of funny to say out loud, but it's like so much of our life revolves around like us and what we can do. Anybody? I've got to-do lists upon to-do lists, but what about my prayer list? Ouch. What about my faith list? What about like, I've got schedules for my appointments, for all my coming and going, for my planned days. This Christmas season, I hope that you recognize, like I do, that I'm, I'm pretty hopeless on my own. And walk away with the truth of this matter, that Jesus is the hope of all glory. Psalm 146 says this, in the Passion Translation, it says that we can never look to men for help. This is verse 3. No matter who they are, they can't save us. Even our great leaders fail and fall. They're they're just mortals like us. They're going to die one day. At death, the spirits of all depart and their bodies return to dust. In the day of their death, all the projects and plans are, are over. But those who hope in the Lord will be happy and pleased. Isaiah 40, verse 31 is going to be our swing text for, for this point and for this message about John the Baptist, about declaring the way for the Lord. Because hope is key to moving forward. It says, those who wait for the Lord, those who expect, look for, and somebody help me out, hope in Him. Oh, I think, we, I, think, I think we need to talk about that one more time. It says, those who wait for the Lord. Come on, somebody help me out with this part. Who expect, who look for, and come on, hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. Does anybody need to be renewed this morning? Come on, can we wait before the Lord? Would you stand on your feet one more time? It says this. It says, when we wait upon God, we're going to lift our wings and mount up close to God. Come on. Where's our hope? In Jesus. The hope of all mankind. The hope of the world. Because He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no other way. There is no other, no other hope for all mankind because of Jesus. Come on, let's crawl upon His name. Let's look to the Lord this morning to renew our strength. Let's wait upon Him. Let's not move from this moment without recognizing that we don't have what it takes. Lord, we repent. Come on. Jesus, we need you. Our hope is in you, Lord. We look to you. We expect you to show up. Come close, Lord. Come on in. Help us. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Oh. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. 
never stops working. Come on, can you just say that? I put my trust in you, God. Psalms 91 says, those who abide, those who dwell, those who live in constant fellowship and communion with their God will be the ones that will say, God, I put my trust in you. God, you are my God. I put my trust in you. Can we say that of Jesus this morning, that, that Jesus, you're our hope? Come on, one last time. It's who you are, it's who you are. Waymaker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you caught up on the circumstances and the situation and the troubles and the worries but if we'll keep our hope in the savior of all mankind and the one who is the hope of glory itself then our faith will never be undone you can't you can't be outlasted by by the worries and by the struggles and by the troubles our hope is in Jesus. Oh Lord, our hope is in you. Our hope is in who you are because you are the way maker. If you take your seat once again, if you can, and just walk away with, with that point that that, that that needs to continue to be our declaration because crazy faith doesn't do a lot of good if we're not continuing to declare the word of the Lord that had already come to John the Baptist that was to clear a way, make a way, make straight the way for the Lord because he's coming. And you and I have an obligation, a responsibility, and a duty to live that out loud. Let us all be like the reflection of John the Baptist as we, uh, I was going to say close out this Christmas season, but it's, it's, Christmas season lives on. He's alive and he's coming back. So what happens when you don't give up? What happens when you when you hope in the Lord? Your hope will not be put you'll not be put to shame. You'll see God move. And that's and that's why we're believing for crazy faith for for miracles, signs and wonders. Not just from a a, a a good feeling message, but from, from the fact that you and I get to, to go and be ambassadors to the world. I wish I could emphasize in, in, in a better way than I know how that our responsibility is, is to be just like him and, and share that good news. But I must digress and continue to move on. We have uh, just... One and a half more parts to the story because my last part is long is my is not as long as this part. But to continue the Christmas story, we've got to talk about Mary. And you probably have heard about Mary the Virgin, but I just hope that you don't skip over the fact that this in itself is a miracle. The fact that she conceived a son and she was a virgin. That's just not something that happens. And I hope that for your life, that where you are right now, that you don't miss the miracle. And the fact that God's chosen you. I think so many times we look for miracles that are explosive, that are spectacular, that involve stages and crowds. 
But I think one of the one of the most amazing miracles is that miracle of grace like we've been talking about recently. If you didn't get a chance to uh, catch our Amazing Grace series, you need to know about the grace of God because the grace of God gives you an opportunity to receive from God and to be with God like never before. And it was all because of Jesus. And to me, I think that's one of the most important miracles that could take place over this Christmas season is that you and I continue to live with reckless abandon because we're fallen head over heels madly in love and passionately in love with Jesus. How many of you guys would agree? And so right here in the story of Mary, yeah, you come on, you can make some noise for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We love, we love talking about him because there's no other name that compares to his name. And so here in the story of Mary is, is where we first are introduced to, to that name because we find out about, we find out about it um, beforehand, but this is where it starts to come to pass. I, Isaiah speaks about how a child would be born, right? We talked about that. And then it talks about how his name would be Emmanuel for he would be God with us. And so starting now in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, we read in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy to John the Baptist, God sent the same angel that he sent to uh, Zechariah, now to Nazareth, to a village in Galilee, which is, was prophesied in Isaiah 9 already, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. That's significant, but I don't have time to get into it. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So again, we're seeing, we're seeing a, um, a, new, a new side, almost, if you will, of, of what God is wanting to do and show to his children and to people that would call upon his name. Because now when he shows up, it's not, um, it's not fear and awe alone, but in, in addition to that, it's like, hey, look, now we're entering into a new season. It's the age of grace. This, this is the introduction to that. And sorry, I got off into that, but it's, just, it's amazing to me. So uh, Mary is really confused, and she's trying to figure out what the angel could mean. Verse 29, but verse 30 says, the angel says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. So we, we're seeing this message again. It says, verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him. Somebody help me out. Jesus. His name is Jesus. I love the name of Jesus. It says, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. And, and again, this is a really specific and an intentional verse that needs to resonate within our hearts. There's a fun word. Above every other, uh, other name, above every other worry and distraction, he's going to be called the son of the most high. How will we respond to him, though? The verse goes on to say, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom, come on, it's going to never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And I didn't highlight this part, but I'd like you to in your Bible if you can, because our response is critical to how faith plays out. First off, we've got to, we've got to believe in that God wants to use you and I Ask your neighbor, do you believe, do you trust, do you trust in, that God chose you, that God chose to redeem you? Does that make sense to your mind, that God chose to redeem you? It doesn't make sense to my mind a lot of times, 
I'm rude, I'm mean, I'm ugly, I'm not kind, I'm not nice. I don't deserve favor with God. I think I do a lot of times, but I don't. And so I believe crazy faith starts here with first believing in the fact that God really knows what he was doing when he chose to redeem me. Second, my hope isn't found in myself. So the the fuel that drives my crazy faith, what fuels me is not my ability, not hoping and trusting in myself and, and, and what makes sense to me, but it's in who he is. Come on, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And the next one is what I'm gonna say about it. What is my response to who he is? What is my response to hearing about the King of Kings? Do I recognize and perceive and understand that I have to and must show allegiance to that name one day? Or do I willingly bow down here and now and recognize and confess that Jesus is Lord? Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For verse 10, and this is our, our, our key part to ha- crazy faith. It's activated by your confession. Is that it is by believing in your heart you're made right with God. There's... And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. There's got to be a declaration that's made. The funny thing about this is you and I already know this. The same way that I'm talking right now, you and I do this all the time. And you know that you have a confession, but it's just not good sometimes. And that's not me picking on you. That's just me knowing that you and I are people and we make mistakes and say things that we shouldn't. To, to help give this point clarity, that crazy faith is activated by your confession, go to Proverbs 18, 21. It says, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. Now, you and I struggle to per, like comprehend that statement. How could our words possibly kill or give life, but yet we know at the same time that when we curse somebody, the results resonate again or echo even within their heart for a lot longer because you and I still hear bad words that people spoke over us years ago. So again, we got to ask ourselves, what is our confession? Because if our faith is truly set, and I'm going to try and bring it down a notch, if our faith is truly set in the fact that that God wants to use us to be redeemers. That God wants to use us in the same way that we can see that God used Jesus to be a redeemer. Crazy faith involved with the Son of Man. He had to believe in everything everything from his Father. There was that relationship side. And I, I, I can't get off on that too long because we're running out of time, but the confession had to line up. The confession had to line up. And even more than that, it's not just that your crazy faith is activated by your confession, but it's sustained by your thoughts. What are you thinking? Do you think that you're a no good whatever, fill in the blank, that you're never going to amount to anything, that you're just supposed to be like this? Are you convinced? Has the world convinced you? you got to forgive me for getting so excited. But this, this message just comes alive to me. Are you convinced, has the world convinced you 
that you're supposed to just fit into some mold to blend in? The meditation of your heart and your mind, which sound like the same thing almost, but aren't, is, is key to this one. It's a big, big proponent, big component. Because Proverbs 23, seven says, the way that you think is the way that you are, the way that you become. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you think that you're just average Joe? Because the story of the gospel says otherwise about your destiny. I don't, I don't care if you're a cashier. You know, there's, I, I can, pretty much one out of every two times I see somebody who's behind a register who looks empty and dead. I think if you just knew how important you were, if you just knew how important it was that you were helping people cash out and check out and, and helping somebody get some groceries when they're dead exhausted and you're, and you're just being kind, a smiling face, just a reflection of, of, of the goodness of God. If you just knew that, that being a janitor helped keeping clean made all the difference for somebody because they, they live in a pigsty all their life. If you just knew that, that you bagging somebody's groceries and just thanking them was the first time that somebody had acknowledged them all day. If you just knew how much... How easy it is, excuse me, how easy it is to be like God. You can change the very course of your life and others because of, of how you think, because your confession is sustained by your thoughts. What are you thinking? And what is your response to the word of the Lord that, that comes? Because if it's like Mary, I am the Lord's servant, may everything you said about me come true. we have an opportunity to access every ounce of the kingdom of God. But it, with doubt, fear, and unbelief, you close the door. How many of you want to open a door to your destiny? Would you stand on your feet one more time as we meditate and declare by the confession of our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has the name above every name. Philippians 2, 9 says this, because of that obedience of Jesus laying down his life, God exalted him and multiplied. If you don't want to stand up, you don't have to keep sitting and standing. That's okay. But it says, because God exalted him and multiplied his greatness, he now has been given the greatest of all names. Would you focus on the name for just a few moments this morning? And let's sing by faith. Let's declare this name above every other name. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Oh, nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is 
names that we can turn to in this holiday season alcohol drugs rest is a good one I like that one too but there's only one name as powerful as the name of Jesus there's only one name as great as the name of Jesus there's only one name that's been exalted above every other name above sickness and disease above lack above hopelessness above your circumstance, above your past. Come on, he's here to drag you out of that mire. He's here to work with you in the middle of your mess because his name is greater. Not your past, not your history, not your family. Because of who he is, come on. Oh, could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silence the power of sin and grace. Heavens are over the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. And you have no
all, can we declare that by faith? Let your faith be activated by that confession. What a powerful name. Come on, what a beautiful name. What a mysterious name. What a wonderful name, Jesus. The name Just the name of, just the mention of your name, Lord. Just a mention the of that name. name of Come on, keep calling upon that name. Oh, the, the name, name of Jesus. Come on, just the words. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the King. Just the voices. Yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ mine. Come on. What a powerful name it is. Nothing. Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus It's amazing to me that as we continue to declare The mystery and wonder and majesty of that name All of eternity shakes from beginning to end because he was the word at the beginning. He is the alpha and omega. All, the Bible says this, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. The Bible talks about if, if, if we don't cry out, the rocks will cry out in our place. It, this is because of the greatness of our God. That's my God. When I say, oh my God, and I do, I mean it because he amazes me. Sometimes it's in frustration, but I'm still looking at him because, like, I'm, oh, my God, like, help me. You know, it's okay to call upon the name of God. Don't take it in vain. Don't, don't use it as a swear word. Don't use it as a crutch in a bad way, but use it as a crutch in a good way. Lean on that name. Declare that name by faith. Our last portion of our story, and you can have a seat again if you'd like. I said uh, this part wouldn't take as long, and. You just believe God with me, okay? We, we normally get out at 2 o'clock, but, you know, we can go to 3 today, right? Y'all were here till 2 a.m. in this morning having, having another drink, a new wine. Okay, okay. All right, so the Christmas story, I hope that you are, are seeing the way that God has showed me that the Christmas story is like yours and mine because all it took was one individual. See, the way that the children of Israel were birthed was from one man. The way that salvation came into the world was from one man. You're like, but wait, he was a son of God? No, no. It, the Bible says that he, he put that aside to take on the form of a bondservant, a slave, a, an individual. He had, a, he had choices like you and I. He had, had uh, I don't, I don't want to say doubts. I don't think Jesus could doubt because that would make him with sin. But he, he had, he had, um, to overcome things the way that you and I did. The Bible says that, that he knows what it's like to go through struggles and trials. And so at that name, 
every knee would bow, every tongue would confess. Anything that's got a name, it's got to bow to that name. And so I just want to encourage you as we are in the middle of this Christmas season that you don't let any other name get greater. Don't let, certainly don't let your name get greater, but don't let, don't let gifts or, or what Christmas is, is about to the world, don't, don't let that get the best of you. Don't forget to stop and exalt that name. The last part of our story is about, is about that continuing, really. Because I'd, I'd like to take you to after the birth of Jesus now because Mary did conceive just like the angel foretold, just like Isaiah prophesied, just like was written in the scriptures even before Abraham, that God would, would finish it, what the enemy started. His plan is for redemption, folks. God finishes what the enemy starts. It doesn't matter how bad we are. All it takes is a little crazy faith because it's only crazy until it happens. And Abraham was crazy. Noah was crazy. Moses was crazy. Going to stand before Pharaoh. Noah was crazy building an ark when it had never rained or flooded before. And you're crazy for believing the word of God because it's outdated. It's old. But you know what, folks? There's something that's going to outlast the span of our time, the span of this age, and it's this word. This word of the Lord that comes to you and I every single day. Jesus standing at the door saying, I'm knocking, will you open? I stand at the, the door of your hearts. How will you respond? Will you be filled with faith? Will you put your trust and your hope in me? Will you seek me above all else? Will you look to me when everything is trying to distract you, when your life is busy? Will you stop being busy for me because I matter? And the wise men, they had caught a glimpse of this. Jesus had been, been born at this time. And there was, it was foretold, of course, by the, the prophecy and history of the Jews. And that's what the Bible records here in Matthew, that chapter 2, that these wise men, these certain, um, oh, what's another word? There's a few other words that are used in the Bible, but these reference them as wise men. They, they were scholars. They, they were those who sought the truth. They had been told about the king of the Jews. And of course, this wasn't their king. But what I love about it is that even when they came before the king of the Jews, they recognized the greatness of his majesty. And so here entering into to this area of our story, I want to talk to you about how the fact of all of our faith becomes null and void if the heart of our crazy faith isn't built upon intimacy. If you and I don't keep the heart of worship at the heart of our faith, I believe truly from the bottom of my heart that we will miss out on the message of who God really is. God is an individual. And at the core of you and I, we long for communion and fellowship. But did you know that not anybody can fill you or can fulfill you and make you filled and make you happy and please you like God can? When you come to God and he fills you up, 
it gives significance and meaning to everything else. It's like watching a movie in black and white and seeing it burst into color before your very eyes when the King of Glory comes on in. And that's supposed to take place each and every single day. And so that's why I say, if we don't keep intimacy at the heart of crazy faith, what happens is the world sucks the color out of our life. Come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Money becomes a priority and, it, and your life turns into worry. Worries, worries weigh you down. And suddenly your life is thrown into turmoil because you've lost sight of your first love, of what matters the most. I believe that you could have all the hope and faith, courage, activation of your faith by your confession in the world. But you might, but, I, but I'm concerned for my own sake and for those who would have crazy faith that if Jesus is not Lord of your life, you're going to access the kingdom illegally. In other words, your faith may be able to bring something into reality because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And your faith may make something real and you have utilized the kingdom, but because you didn't follow, you didn't use Jesus as the way, suddenly you've gone into the kingdom by a door that shouldn't have been accessed. And I know that's kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail and may have gone way over some of your heads, but I just want to encourage you that at the core of everything, not just faith, but hope and love, and all the signs, miracles, and wonders is a life of intimacy with Jesus. And if you don't have that this morning, I don't want you to leave the same. See, the story in the message of the wise men is that verse 11 of Matthew 2, when they came into the house and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome the New Living, uh, excuse me, the Passion Translation writes, falling to the ground at his feet, they worshiped him. No, not, not bowing, falling. Oh my God, this is the King of Kings. This is the long-awaited Messiah. This is the answer to all the answers. This is the hope to every problem. World slavery, bondage, addiction, you name it. They saw Jesus and they fell to the ground at his feet. And they, this is their response. They worshiped him. And I know that we've already been standing and sitting and worship, but just one more time, if I can get my prayer partners to come down, because I don't want you to just stand at your feet. I don't want you to just respond by standing or by sitting, of course, you're more than welcome to be comfortable in whatever posture is worship for you. But I implore you to fall to your knees and let's worship the King of glory just one more time this Christmas season. Let us adore the Lamb of God. Let us behold the King of glory this morning. Let us exalt the King of the Jews who has now become our King the King of glory. We worship you, Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, come down.
continue playing for just a moment longer. And I see that there's already several people that have responded to this, but if this message has spoken to you in any way, and specifically, if you have let anything get in the way before Jesus right now, would you just by a, by a show of raise of hands, let me know. I know for me, and I see hands going up, thank you. I know for me that it's easy to let things get in the way. But like I said, the King is in the room and we're gonna continue to worship. But I just like to pray for each and every single one of us because I know for me, this was the message I needed to hear. So Lord, we just thank you so much that we get to come and adore you. We thank you so much that, that you've already come and that you're coming back. We thank you, Lord, that even though we mess up, even though we're flawed, even though we fail, but God, you never stop pursuing us. You never stop loving us. You never stop giving us grace more and more and more grace. God, for me and for every single other person who would say that they've let things get in the way, we say we repent. We repent from choosing something other than your name. We repent from putting our hope in something other than who you are, Lord. We repent from letting something else get in the way of our confession, from declaring that you are the King of kings and the Lord of glory. And right now we just ask that you would come on in because we wanna, we wanna adore you. We want to behold you in the way that the wise men did. Oh, come let us adore. Hallelujah. We want to exalt you the way that you deserve. So let's sing this out.
the Lord. He's the Lord of all. Come on, if you need prayer this morning, the King is here to meet you. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is the Lord, He's the Lord of all. Yes, you are. See, Christ alone, Christ alone. Sing a song of praise. 
faith but your worship come on let's fill this place with our worship because of the beautiful name of Jesus because of the powerful name of Jesus because of the person of Jesus the gifts of the world the angels announced when Jesus was born peace on earth and goodwill toward men not your mistakes not your flaws not your shortcomings not your problems Peace. Come on, some of you ought to just shout, peace. Peace. Peace in my home. Peace in my family. Peace in my bank account. Peace in my body. Peace in my mind. Goodwill is coming to us because of who he is. Emmanuel, he is God with us. He is our cornerstone. He is Christ alone, the anointed one. There is none beside him. There has never been any like him. There will never be like him he is the word of God he, he is set in heaven he is set apart his word will remain worthy is the name worthy is the name Jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your name hey worthy is your name one more time as we get ready to dismiss and just say thank you so much for being here but ultimately aren't you glad that God is here that he is Emmanuel he is God with us he has never forsaken us he will never forsake you I pray that Holy Spirit would make that manifest in your life that God would continue to bless you that he would continue to make his face shine upon you that as you go through this time it would not be a time of despair that you would not feel alone or isolated but you would recognize the majesty of our King the King of glory that he didn't just come to earth but that he's coming again he's coming for you and I hallelujah he's coming back and he's coming for you and I you're not alone my friends the eye is on the sparrow he's watching you and you're blessed because he knows you by name you're already blessed you already got a reason to to say thank you 
But if you need a shoulder to lean on, if you need a hug or an elbow to bump, a hand to shake, whatever it may be in this time for you, we're here and we love you so much because it's our pleasure to do what God did and share the good news. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless your family. I bless your time together. We rebuke strife and division in Jesus' name and declare a time of peace on earth and goodwill toward us. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you after the new year. Have a great week and let us go. Do like God said and love him. Love others and lead well. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.